In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Several years ago, Deborah and I went for a little vacation down to see the grandkids in Florida, and then we took a side trip over to see Bob and Judy in the Tampa-St. Petersburg area. And in the St. Petersburg paper, there was a story that I was interested in. It was about a guy by the name of John Cook. He had been in prison and had found the Lord, in, or well, the Lord found him, I guess I should say, in prison. And he, when he came out, he uh, became a street preacher. And uh, he wanted to uh, meet with uh, ex-cons like himself and drug addicts, alcoholics, folks who had really lost their way. And the interesting thing was that he changed his name from John Cook to John 3.16. Because he said, everybody knows John 3.16, and that needs to be the motto for what I want to tell people about the Lord, that he loves everybody enough to send his son for their salvation. And I guess everybody kind of does know John 3.16. Even people with only a passing familiarity with Christianity know John 3.16. Please say it along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It meant that much to God that he was willing to do anything, whatever it took, to bring us back in good relationship with him. Despite the fact that we rebel, despite the fact that we ignore him and, and blaspheme him and everything else, God still loves us so much. Martin Luther was looking at that and uh, he one time said, you know, if I were God with the, the kind of uh, vile people that there are and as disobedient as everybody is, I'd just probably knock the world to pieces. And he concluded, it's probably better that I'm not God and that God is God because he's a lot more gracious and merciful than I would ever be. The next verse is an important one too, John 3, 17. We don't hear that one near as much as the gospel in a nutshell or the gospel in miniature, John 3, 16. But that verse is important too. It says, for God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. So it was not God's desire to send Jesus with a big stick to whack us every time we did something wrong. He didn't come to bring condemnation. We already have that ourselves when we don't follow God's will and God's ways. God gave us a path back to him, and if we don't take it, that's not on God, that's on us. If, somebody, if you're drowning in a river and somebody throws you a lifeline and you don't take the lifeline, that's not the lifeline person's fault. It's yours. So there are many times that we look at things in life and we blame God for stuff that we really should not lay at his doorstep at all. Martin Luther was very careful to point out that it is the unholy trinity that we have to watch out for. The devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. And the devil and the world are always going to do what they do. But it's our own sinful flesh that we can work on a little bit because oftentimes that's where problems come, and, but then we lay it on God. Well, how could God do this? Why is God letting this happen? And I remember clearly, I was a leading spirituality group on the drug alcohol treatment center, and there was a woman in there that was complaining pretty bitterly about how God had ruined her life and had let her down. 
And I said, well, well tell me about this. How, how has God done this? And she said, well, I married a guy and he turned out to be a loser and an abuser of me. And I said, well, we'll stop right there. Did perchance anybody try to warn you about Mr. Wonderful, like your parents or your good friends or anything? And she said, well, yeah, they told me he was no good. But, you know, he was good at that time. And then, you know, after I married him, then, then he turned into an, an abuser and a loser. I said, you mean he, could, he held his breath long enough till you married him and then that was it? Yeah, that's about it. But then she said, I left him. And then I got with another guy. And, uh, and it, we had a lot of trouble because his wife kept causing trouble for us. I said, his wife didn't like him living with another woman? What kind of a witch was she? What, no sense of humor? Well, she said, you know, she just made a lot of trouble. I said, okay. But then she said, we kind of broke up for a while, and I decided out of spite that I was going to go to a swinger party, and so I did, and, and I was with a couple of different guys there. And, and then we got back together, and I decided I better tell him, because, you know, you should be honest in a relationship. So I told him about these other guys, and then he was teed off, and he threw me out, and then I got drunk and in prison, and here I am. I, I concluded, I, and, and that's how God ruined your life? And she said, well, I suppose m most of it is of my own making. I said, no, all of it is of your own making. And we had another guy in the same group said, well, I, you know, I was pretty mad at God for a while because I, I met this uh, gal at a party, had a one-night stand, and then she came back and sued me for paternity later on. I had to pay child, I got to pay child support for years. She told me that she took care of birth control. I said, you mean, you, as a woman, you didn't know it all and you trusted her with something that important as birth control? Well, yeah, that's how God ruined your life. Okay. What we discover is that, for the most part, our trouble is of our own making. When we don't have the values that God has, when we're not on that track, then we make decisions which are not very good. We think we're making good decisions at the time. We decide for fame and fortune and possessions and pleasure and all of that kind of stuff, but we end up feeling lost and alone and disillusioned and guilt-ridden because our values are not those of God, and they're always going to work out that way. So God really is not concerned about about condemning us for our decisions. And for whatever reason he had, he decided to give us free choice, free will. We can, we can choose his will and ways, or we can choose others. And boy, we, we use it. We, we make choices, and they're not very good oftentimes. And then we blame God. But God is not, God is not in on that. And God is not there to condemn us. If you look at Jesus' ministry, there is not one time where Jesus is dealing with a, a public blatant sinner where he is condemning them. You can look at the uh, woman caught in adultery, the Samaritan woman at the well with the bad rep, the crooked tax collector, Zacchaeus, the uh, guy possessed with a demon running naked in the cemeteries and going crazy. Whoever you want to look at, there is not one word of condemnation from Jesus. He is kind, he is appreciative of them, he is loving, and he is forgiving. That's who Jesus is, and that's why he came. That phrase in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that word so 
it's not used very often in scripture like this. It is an adverb and an intensifier. It's much like we use the word so to intensify other things like, I was so cold this winter. Uh, that baby was so cute. I am so hungry. That girl is so pretty. You know, an intensifier like that. That's, that's how God is described. God so loves us that he's willing to, to do anything, to make a road back for us to, so we can be close to him again. I read a story of, um, this is an old story, maybe you read this one, about a young man who um, quarreled with his father. And he said things that a son should never say to their father. And he left home. And he had no contact with his dad. He still had contact with his mother and would write letters and so forth. And finally he said, well, I'm coming to town back to town with my friend who, who lives in town there. And he said, I'm wondering, do you think that I could come home for Christmas that Dad has, would ha has forgiven me? And uh, Mom wrote back and she said, I'll tell you what, if your dad has forgiven you and all is well, I will tie a white rag on that big oak tree by the depot. And when you come by home on the train, if you see that white rag on the oak tree, then you're going to know all is well. And so they came, and he, as they got closer, he said to his friend, I can't look, tell me, is there, is there a white rag tied to that big oak tree by the depot? And his friend said, no, there's not a white rag tied there. Not, not one. There's a white rag on every branch of the tree. That's John 3.16. That's God allowing us a way back and not condemning us, but saving us. That's why we say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.